about pop culture with your host, Matt. Me! Today we'll be popping off about The Mandalorian. Kind of. I want to talk about Star Wars in general, how Disney's handling Star Wars, and, of course, The Mandalorian. I'm taking you all to Tangent Town, baby. But before we get into any of that nonsense, I want to try to pretend that I'm a professional for a moment. And I want to make a couple corrections for the WandaVision episode. Really, an amendment. And then a correction. That amendment is, I remember Tayona Paris's name. So instead of being, you know, a one-hour podcast where I talk about the third most important character in the show, simply by her character name, Monica Rambeau's actress is Tayona Paris. She's in Captain Marvel 2. Not any other TV shows as far as I could see. But she's going to slam dunk it. I should have just Googled her name and looked like I knew what the fuck I was talking about. But I didn't, so here we are. And the actual correction is the original debut of the White Vision. And I know that sounds like an alt-right ethos. Uh, it's not. I, I mean to say, when the Vision's body was destroyed and they built him a new all-white body. Which sounds like it has its own set of baggage. But anyways... It came out in 1989. I gave myself two whole decades in the 60s and 70s, and I was still off by 20 fucking years. I am an idiot. Of course, the aforementioned Avengers video game in 1991 would use the up-to-date models, not ones that are, you know, 30 to 40 years old. I'm fucking really dumb. I have a, a an issue with time. I forget how old I am in relation to how things are. I forgot the comic started in like the fucking late 40s, early 50s. So forgive me. I'm going to make a couple of those errors when I reach into my brain and not into a computer. Someone will ask me when you think Jurassic Park will come out. And I'll be like, yeah, you know, 20 years ago. 20 years ago was 2001. Try 28 years ago, idiot. And just in case anybody needs a pick-me-up, here's a fun little factoid for you. Steven Spielberg put out both Jurassic Park and Schindler's List in the same year. Back to back. Two of the greatest movies ever made. Made by one guy in the same year. What a monster. So if you're feeling down in the dumps, you're feeling shitty, you can't get yourself to do anything, you're unmotivated, you're feeling funky, just remember that if Steven Spielberg can pan out two of the greatest movies ever made, you can do whatever the fuck you can. I tried to be all motivational and shit. I hope it panned out. It's about as optimistic as I could possibly get sitting in the middle of this small little sound studio that I've constructed for myself. It's a closet. So let's get into that Star Wars shit, baby. We're talking about Star Wars. I want to put out a couple of boilerplates before I uh, get off the ground with the nitty gritty. Some of my complaints may sound wildly ridiculous when you take into account my history with it it'll make a little bit of sense first of all primarily in the tug of war between star wars and star trek i am on the side of star trek i've watched every single episode of star trek i love most of it good chunk of enterprise is garbage voyager is ass but i like it all for the most part and honestly, there are some episodes of Voyager that are tolerable, and the last season of Enterprise is pretty good. I got my problems with this shit, but I can acknowledge them as such. Star Wars for me has always been a, yeah, you know, that's all right. Now, I went to the opening night of Phantom Menace with my buddies. My buddy's dad, I remember this shit vividly. Like, you get the, the, the big plastic commemorative cups with, like, random dudes on it. You know, I got Obi-Wan. Too young to realize that Ewan McGregor's a bad motherfucker. But I had it. And I remember, like, this is what we're talking about. A movie theater with, like, ceilings to the fucking moon. So the giant posters are in there. We were amped up to the eyeballs when we came out of this movie, man. Darth Maul had one sentence and a really cool theme song, but I didn't give a fuck. He did flippy shit. He was super rad. I didn't hate kids like I do now. So, you know... Jake Lloyd didn't piss me off like he does now if I were to ever watch that movie again. Pod racing was the coolest shit ever. And it's 
probably still the best video game ever made in the Star Wars universe. I don't give a fuck about your X-Wings and your TIE Fighters. I don't give a fuck about your Jedi Outcasts. N64 pod racing was big dick play. Still is to this day. I think some guy made it in like Unreal 4 or some shit. So get it, get it while you can. It's fucking hype. While I remember the energy and the give a fuck of that movie, I can't say that I uh, I really love Star Wars. Not to say that, like, I hate it. Because I've seen a lot of shit. That's probably part of the problem. You see, I've seen all the movies and all the TV shows. But I've never dipped into the extended universe stuff. I know a couple things about the extended universe. I know there's an evil Luke clone named Luke. I know there's an eviler one named Luke. Just keep shoving yous in that motherfucker's name. Just like varying degrees of sinister intention. I know there's a couple characters that like are really, really cool in the extended universe. I know like, you know, Cobb Vance exists. And I know like they dropped a moon on Chewie. I basically have just enough information that I ripped from like some shitty cracked article where it's like the top five things you mentioned about the extended universe to sound like you know what you're talking about to a Star Wars fan so that they just babble on and on and on so you can smile and nod through the rest of it. That's about as much as I know about the extended universe of Star Wars, which is a gift and a curse. As we'll soon get into... With my problem with The Mandalorian. I'm going to say up front. I really like Mandalorian. It leans so hard. Into that western shit that I love. Right? The lawless outland. The outer rim planets. With crime syndicates. And like bounty hunters. And scumbags. And you know, there's, there's one or two actual like pistol standoffs. I'm in deep on that western shit. I fucking love it. Right. And Star Wars really is just a Western. It's like a Western and a samurai movie mashed together, strapped to a rocket, shot into space. That's a really fucking cool premise for a movie universe. It's a shame they don't tell a lot of stories outside of the same two fucking bloodlines. But I'll bitch about that later. So that's uh, everything that I could possibly say about myself in regards to Star Wars. So you can understand, at least from where I'm coming I'm not encyclopedic with this shit. Please don't send hate mail. If I'm supposed to know 30 years of extended non-canon. Did I did I piss you off by saying that? Non-canon shit. Then I'm sorry. I just don't. I don't have the access to that stuff. And I know canonicity is a real bitch in general. You really want your stuff to be like real. Well as real as fiction can get. Right? I mean, I don't know. It's strange. The stories never disappear. And, I mean, I get fixated on canon as much as the next guy. It's a weird thing to really give a shit about in the grand scheme of things. But it's also kind of cool. It's nice to know that certain things matter. And with, like, the DC universe and their comics and how they've, like, rebooted their universes, like, four or five times. I think with DC Rebirth, they just go back through the New 52. Or was it the New 52 going back? I think I think it's I think it's rebirth of the new 52 where they pull the stories and they just decide that yeah you know this is this is the stuff we'll keep and this is the stuff we won't keep and they're doing that with Star Wars but it kind of sucks when they don't pick the thing you like right so let's talk Mandalorian I'm not necessarily going to go into my usual painstaking detail of like every summary episode and we go and analyze all the the silly shit and I pause in between with like my director's commentary or whatever mostly because Mando aired four months ago and I don't have that all on the old hard drive however I, I know the broad strokes I rewatched an episode or two in preparation for this shit mostly because I just fucking love that episode let's go so once again I really did like this show and uh, the main problem that I have with it is that it's end cameo in a show littered with cameos that end up as backdoor pilots for new television shows. It's end cameo drives me nuts and is symptomatic of a greater issue that Star Wars has as a whole, which is the aforementioned these two fucking bloodlines fighting forever is stupid and the universe is so big. So why the hell do we talk about nothing but Luke Skywalker and Palpatine? 
<laughs> the first two episodes are fun little bops, although really and truly the first episode kind of doesn't matter. Its entire existence is to set up one cameo while also being a cameo. So they pull Cobb Vance out of the extended universe and they do all the Cobb Vance shit. So they do the crate Dragon and he's got Boba Fett's armor and he does the whole deal, right? And he, he really only exists to set up the Boba Fett cameo that we get a little bit later on. However, Cobb Vance is played by Timothy Oliphant and Timothy Oliphant is just doing his justified Raylan Givens character, but in Star Wars. And I fucking love it. Justified is an awesome show. If you haven't seen Justified, it's five tight seasons of beast mode writing. Yeah, it's a bit of a Western, but it's a modern day Western in like Southern America. It's fucking great. Walton Goggins and Timothy Oliphant go hard in the paint. If you haven't watched it, give it a shot. I would wholeheartedly recommend I think it's one of my favorite television shows ever. That's a bold-ass statement, but it fucking rocks. So you can see why, even though this episode is effectively pointless, because it goes very roundabout in terms of its plot. See, at the end of the season prior, Mando's mom, and I'm going to refer to Pedro Pascal, Jin Jaren, as Mando, and then other Mandalorians as Mandalorians, just for sake of clarity. A Mando, his mom told him to take baby merch machine Grogu off to the Jedi to give him back to his peoples because that's where he was belonging to. So the entire first three or four episodes, Mando's looking for a Jedi to pawn the baby off to. He gets a pro tip from John Leguizamo when he fucks him up at the beginning of the show. It's wild to me that like, Beskar is such a fucking rare and expensive metal that John Leguizamo thinks he's just going to kill this guy while wearing it and harvest him out of it. It's fucking nuts. Anyways, it doesn't go John's way. You would think as a dude who has messed with John Wick before, he would know not to fuck with a lone badass, but clearly it doesn't cross universes. And he says, yo, go talk to this guy. So he goes and he runs into Cobb Vance. Now Cobb Vance has Boba Fett's armor that's the only thing that matters. At the end of the episode, in exchange for helping smoke the crate dragon, Mando gets Boba's armor because it, quote-unquote, belongs to the Mandalorians. And that Cobb Vance shouldn't even be wearing it because it's disrespectful. Fresh reminder, Mando's a religious zealot. He's fucking crazy. He got adopted into the Mandalorians but it was the crazy ones, like the fucking Looney Tune guys, as every other subsequent character, Mandalorian or not, reminds him of. But the whole first episode is literally ended with him going to go talk to Amy Sedaris, who's the, the, the mechanic chick from the first season. And she gets a lovely little lizard woman who needs to have her uh, hatch... Her hatch? I don't know. Her clutch. There we go. Her clutch of fucking eggs brought over to another planet. And in, in exchange for the flight, she'll tell you about the Mandalorians that she knows. So he does it. It's a fun episode. It's it's a throwaway. But you can see that it's like he went and he got a tip from John Legwo about a Mandalorian. It really wasn't a Mandalorian. It was Raylan Givens. And then Raylan Givens gives Boba Fett's armor back to Mando because he's like, thanks. And then he stays being the sheriff of the redneck town. And then we ask the same fucking question at the beginning of the second episode. So other than the Boba bait, there's, there's just no point to this. Other than it being fun. Which TV's allowed to do, but when you have only eight episodes and they're half an hour each, maybe you want to be a little bit more economic with your storytelling. Anyways, Lizard Person goes, drops him off, says, hey, that bar over there, thanks for the trip. There's some Mandalorians in there. You go fucking talk to them. The Mandalorians in question are Bo-Katan and her friends. Cameo number two. Three, really, if you count Tamura Morrison's back because he shows up in the, the first episode of the season. Bo-Katan is a Dave Filoni classic. He ripped her from Clone Wars and he ripped her from Rebels. And it's uh, Katie Sackhoff again 
live action version. Katie's got a lot of obviously, you know, Battlestar Galactica, a, a, a Riddick movie, and a whole bunch of other fucking television and movie credits under her belt. She's got a lot of live action stuff. So for her to voice the character and be the character is rather cool. In about, I don't know, say five minutes from now when I get to the episode in question, I think they should do that again with another character. Anyhow, Bo-Katan is uber salty. And the first thing she does is shit all over him for wearing a helmet. He's like, he's giving her shit for like not wearing a helmet. And her and her peeps, Sasha Banks from the WWE is one of them. They're like, yeah, fuck you, zealot. <laughs> you, you, you religious lunatic. We can take our helmets off. It's all right. Don't worry about it. Right. The whole theme, well, emotional arc and theme for the whole season and Mando's character is what he's willing to do as a parent for his kid which is Grogu, right? He's only known one way, the way, for how to be a Mandalorian. And he meets a whole bunch of characters who are either Mandalorians or like Mandalorian by association. And they tell him a different way to go about things. And it gives him perspective on shit. And oddly enough, one of the most perspective fucking characters is Bill Burr. Anyways, let me get back on fucking track here. So he's like, yo, tell me where a Jedi is. And Bo's like, yeah, all right, fine. If you help us go fuck up this Imperial weapons transport ship. And he's like, yeah, sure. So hops on the hops on that bad boy, fucks some dudes up. Bo-Katan's looking for Moff Gideon. Moff Gideon has the Darksaber. And the Darksaber is the iconography, the representation of the big dick player on Mandalore. You are the leader of the Mandalorians if you have this sword. That's just how shit is. Now, Bo-Katan got this fucking thing. When Sabine in Star Wars Rebels handed that shit to her. No trial by combat. No any of that shit. Just here you go. Do it for our peeps. I can't go. You gotta do it. And then somehow Giancarlo Esposito, greatest TV bad guy ever. Choose scenery like a lord. Mugs her in between that episode of Rebels and the beginning of The Mandalorian Season 1. He cuts his way out of a TIE fighter at the end of Season 1. And uh, for all the fanboys, you go, oh, fuck. And for people who don't know what that is, they're like, oh, he's got a lightsaber. It's a little hit or miss. So she wants that shit back. And because Mando helped out, he's like, yeah, okay, go talk to this chick and tell her I sent you. Cool. Next episode, he goes and talks to the chick. And it's on this foggy-ass planet. It's a pretty cool app. And it's Rosario Dawson playing Ahsoka Tano. Which is a huge fucking deal because not only is this another one of those Dave Filoni classics, but this this is a character that is not really a Jedi, right? Like she's a she's like I guess like a gray Jedi or whatever. But she quit her fucking training and then they all died. So she's like kind of a Jedi, but she's super force sensitive and she's a bad bitch. She murderizes some people. She's messing this entire village up. Now the village is being controlled by some assholes, and Ahsoka's there. Information and that information pertains to the location of Admiral Shran. This is the guy I think they should get. The voice actor is I don't remember his first name. I see another one of the situations where I'm gonna have to fucking say next week. The correction is I'm sorry, he's Mads Mickelson's brother. He played Magnus von Scumbag in the third season of Sherlock for the BBC. He's fucking great. And he voiced Trent on uh, Rebels. Get him to be this character. Just do it. It'll be awesome. This episode's rad because it's got Michael Bean, John Connor from Terminator 1. Anyhow, Michael Bean's in this movie. He's just a scumbag mercenary and he, and he, he gets shot the fuck up by Mando. It's fun. The lightsaber fight between this woman who I thought was supposed to be somebody but isn't and Ahsoka... She's got like a Beskar spear, so it's lightsaber versus spear. It's cool. She wants information from this chick. Tell me where the fuck Shran is. And then Ahsoka's like, I ain't training baby merch machine. You got to take his ass to this planet, put him on this rock. He'll get his meditation on, and they'll holla at somebody. And if there's anybody left, because there ain't many of us left, they'll come. They'll, 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 get, they'll talk to you. He's like, why the fuck can't you take the baby? And she's like, well, I'm a cold-blooded savage, and I got shit to do. She doesn't say that. Uh, the actions demonstrate that for you. 
She's a bad motherfucker, though. That's for sure. So she fucks off, and that's the end of her. By the way, that's a backdoor pilot. That's a show all to herself. So he goes to the fucking rock planet, and then that's when Boba shows up with Fennec Shand. Fennec Shand is Ming-Na Wei from the first season. She was a bad guy. She got shot in the guts. They were like, man, they wasted this character. And Meanwhile, it was like, Boba Fett fucking saved her. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? We already know that. You see it. You're not stupid. By the way, they're getting their own show, too. It's show number three. Because the other one I forgot to mention was during the space lady with the, with the, with the oh, space lady, the space flying trip with the lizard lady. The guy from Kim's Convenience, who unfortunately just lost their show in the fifth season. He's one of the uh, New Republic police guys just patrolling around space and shit he's gonna get in the show so they've got four fucking shows going on at once where dave filoni's in charge by the way we'll get into that in a little bit back on track boba shows up with fedek they make a deal for the baby some stormtroopers show up Tamura Morrison gets to fuck some dudes up. Uh, as a random aside, I like that the armor explodes when it's hit by something physical. Like, it happens a lot in this episode and the next episode. Uh, the shitty Stormtrooper armor looks like garbage plastic, and it explodes like Fabergé eggs when it's hit by anything with enough physical force. It's fucking cool. So Tamura gets to body dudes like this space Maori spear stabby club thing. And then he fucks up a bunch of guys and he gets his armor back and gets the Boba the fuck up. So the only time you really get to see Boba Fett ever on TV or movies be a badass. And once again, I'm aware of the extended universe shit where he crawls out of a Sarlacc pit. But the last time you saw this dude, he got shellacked by a blind Han Solo, goes flying into a pit of angry teeth and is never seen again. It's the only thing he ever does in the whole show outside of talk to Darth Vader and fly around in his ship. It's all he fucking does is get bodied. So it's cool to see that he actually could do something. Anyhow, you know, he uh, loses baby merch machine because Giancarlo Esposito wants to make his force clone baby factory thing still. And he jacks the kid with his death trooper robot warriors. So the robot guys scoop up baby merch machine and fly away. And then the ship blows up. Man, I said I wasn't going to do this pop breakdown shit. And it turns out I just did it all. And the sh- uh, fucking <laughs> Mando ship gets blown up. So he goes and he talks to Cara Dune and he gets information on where Bill Burr is being held in prison because he needs Bill Burr to go break in for the best episode. Here we go. This is my favorite episode of the whole season because I love Bill Burr. I should have put that at the top of the rest of the boilerplates. Uh, I'm a bigger fan of Star Trek than Star Wars. I have very little extended universe knowledge. I've seen all the movies and TV shows. I fucking love Bill Burr. So <laughs> this guy... Hooks him up. Basically, they do a big, like, thing. But it requires Mando because everybody else is either registered with the New Republic or wanted by the Imperial scumbags that are running this secret mining base that they need to break into in order to get the coordinates of Moff Gideon's ship. Mando's got to get out of his fucking armor into a new set of armor that's hiding his face to go with Bill Burr to go get this information. And that's when the first, like, big hitch of the show. So far you've got Tamura Morrison who's all up in his ass about how the armor belongs to him and he wants Boba Fett's armor because it's my fucking armor and it was my dad's armor. His dad was a foundling and he fought for the Mandalorian Civil War and of course they cloned him a bajillion fucking times for the stormtroopers and then he uh, peeled the armor off his decapitated dad's dead body Got a new paint job on that bitch and has been wearing it ever since he could fit in it. It's got sentimental value, you could say. But he's also not wearing a helmet and shit. And his dad's a foundling. And technically, if you want to argue, he's a foundling because he's a genetic copy of the kid that was raised. But I mean, if you want to talk about na- that's nature, nurture is like obviously not. In any case, he's he's a, a bounty hunter and a Mandalorian by association and that's one way to go stuff. And you obviously got like Bo-Katan and her crew shitting all over the Mando for being a fucking religious zealot. And then 
He's like, you can't take, I can't take my helmet off. If you see my face, you got to die. That kind of shit. But he takes his helmet off. And Bill Burr's right up in his ass. He's like, what? So is it like, you can't take your helmet off or you can't show your face because there is a difference. And he's, and he's like, look, you know, you, you make all these choices when shit gets fucked up and you have to make harder choices. You make compromises. Everybody makes compromises. So long as you can go to bed at night with the choices that you make, you're on the right track. Now, fucking uh, Bill Burr does some lifting. Bill Burr. Why the fuck is Bill Burr the heart of this episode? I don't know, but I love it. So he uh, does some acting lifting and some shit. He runs into his old commander from Operation Cinder, which is from Battlefield 2, the modern version of it on the uh, PS4 and the Xbox One and PC and shit. An actual fun game once they unfucked, charging you a million credits for Darth Vader stuff. Jesus Christ. But that you do Operation Cinder in the single-player campaign for that. So Bill Burr is somewhere in that game. Rad. Anyhow, the guy used to be his boss. And he ain't about that life. And he doesn't want to look him in the face. So Mando's got to go get the information. Now the Mando requires information. If you've been tagged in the system, that's why none of those other people could come in. Mando gets his face tagged. In an Imperial database. Takes his fucking helmet off in the middle of all these Stormtrooper cunts. Which is like a oh shit moment. What he's willing to do for his son. A friend of mine argued that this weakened the next episode. Where he takes his helmet off to say bye-bye to his baby boy. And to that I say, you're a fool! This just shows you how far he's willing to go. The man tagged his own face in a military, imperial military database where guaranteed that's going to bite him in the ass in the third season. Best believe. That's a big deal, right? I can't show my fucking face. He's already compromised once by getting out of his helmet. Gets into a new helmet that's awful and ugly. And then he shows his face to all these guys. Now, admittedly, most of the people in that room do eventually die a horrible death and then they blow up the whole fucking base and they probably all die. So no one technically saw his face except Bill Burr. And Bill Burr's like, I didn't see shit. So don't worry about it. They get the stuff. They let Bill Burr go. So maybe we get another Bill Burr episode in season three. They get the coordinates. And then off to the big spaceship. Now, the super awesome robot death troopers are so fucking powerful that the space station, the spaceship can't move. It needs to use it, the power generated from the engine to move the ship to power the death robots. I want to put that out there because that's fucking ridiculous. Why would you build these guys if that's the deal? Anyways, it makes them super, super powerful. I say that shit because the final cameo, who shockingly isn't getting their own show, is Luke Skywalker. And he fucking bodies these robo-clowns like nobody's business. There's an important caveat before I get there. Giancarlo Esposito, Moff Gideon, gets into a knife fight with Mando. Darksaber versus Beskar Spear. Mando fucks him up. And then he comes back and he's like, yo, Bo-Katan, this guy just beat my ass up in ritual combat and he disarmed me. So now you got to kill his ass to get this Darksaber back. And Mando's like, no, bitch, just take this thing. I don't want this. I don't know what you're talking about. And she's fuming because you know she just wanted to like disarm this guy and then run this shit. But now Mando, the religious fucking lunatic, this guy's the guy who's the rightful leader of all the Mandalorians. And she's livid. Going back to my previous statement, Sabine just fucking handed that thing to her. There's, there's a, I'm certain, a million YouTube videos on why this is or is not the case. I don't fucking know. But it seems like there's a loophole here that can be had. Either way, it sets up the conflict for season three or at least one of them. While they're trapped on the bridge, the robots come buck, and then Luke shows up because Luke got the fucking force signal through the meditating of baby merch machine. And then uh, Mando says bye to his kid, and he takes off his helmet, and he gives him the little ball thing that the Grogu baby Yoda's been playing with the whole fucking time, and then he says goodbye. It's real sad and shit. I love Pedro Pascal. I just forgot to put that out there. This guy this guy is acting with a helmet on for the most of the show, and he is so relatable, and you give a shit about him and his pain and his suffering, and this is what you do for your kid. He lets him go to go get training 
and Grogu's all nervous and he doesn't want to leave him. And the the reason that like Ahsoka doesn't want to train him and other people don't want to deal with his shit is because baby Grogu's all attached to Mando too. They love each other dearly. And his emotions are are, are, are bad bad medicine for Forest Boys because Forest Boys man they they just love the blue balls themselves, don't they? The entire Jedi religion is based on blue-balling yourselves. You, you can't be emotional in any capacity. I'm sorry, sir, is that an erection? You're out of the Jedi Order. Get the fuck out! These guys suck. Why anyone wants to be a Jedi is beyond me. Nevertheless, Luke takes him anyways. He's like, all right, yeah, well, we can figure it out, man. I can train this man. Because Luke's fucking feeling himself. He's on top of the world. The level of arrogance on this guy, dude. I just I just bodied the fucking Emperor of the Sith. I'm the best. He's gonna I would yeah, sure. This is a, man, this is a terrible idea to train this kid, but fuck it, I'm gonna do it anyways. I'm actually collecting a whole bunch of terrible ideas that I'm gonna try to train. And then I'm gonna try to murder one of them. Cause fuck trying to help him. I'm just gonna kill him. Cause that's what the Jedi would do. And I'm the best Jedi around. <laughs> Say what you will about the Jedi and the Sith and how fucking dumb that is in terms of like balance of the force when they're trying to wipe each other out. No one believes in fucking the Jedi are full of shit. And I'm not asking for a critical analysis of the Jedi order on TV or in any show for that matter. We kind of got one. It's called The Last Jedi and nobody fucking wanted it, which I have a problem with. We'll get into that in a little bit. Why don't I like this Luke cameo? Okay. Aforementioned multiple cameos in a row. Cobb Vance. It's a a roundabout story that goes nowhere, but it's cool to see the guy. And he gets the Boba Fett armor, and that lures him to Boba. Cool. Boba Fett. Boba Fett actually helps tell the story. It's fucking ridiculous that Boba Fett's around and alive, all things considered. But it helps tell the story. He's a point that exists. His character is a is a person living in his dad's lineage. They're both technically foundlings. He wears Mandalorian armor. He is a bounty hunter. He is a different reflection or angle, refraction, if you will, of Jinjarin, right? Like that's it. He's cool and he and he gets play. Plus, it's also a backdoor cameo for his show. So it works there too. And he's taking Fennec with him. So Ming Na gets to work too. Bo-Katan. Bo-Katan's not only uh, here for season two, she's here for season three almost guaranteed because their shit is not resolved. And also, helmetless Mandalorian from a different school. You're the problem, not me, etc., etc. Helps with the arc. What are you willing to do for your parents? Like learning how to be a different Mandalorian, etc. Right? Rock on. Ahsoka. Other than she's super cool to see and everybody wanted to see her and Rosario Dawson does a very good job you got to sort of connect her in the universe somehow if she's going to show up at the end of Rebels, you know? Still cool, but also backdoor pilot. She's getting her own show. So they introduced her there too. Luke is an acknowledgement that despite the fact that the universe is so big and there are so many different things going on, Luke is the only thing that's important. Luke is a deus ex machina I don't mind. It's not contrived in any way. They set it up so that a Jedi was supposed to come and save the day. And I don't have an answer in regards to who could that have possibly been instead. Once again, don't have any extended universe experience. I don't know who's alive or dead. I don't even know if the Force Unleashed video games count. Because there's a couple people in there that could have shown up. You get Luke. By the way... They just de-aged Mark Hamill instead of just doing the thing I hoped they would have done, which was hire Sebastian Stan, who's just his younger doppelganger anyways, to play Luke. I thought that would have been rad, but we didn't get it, so fuck it. No big deal. De-aged Luke looks a little weird, but... Like, the universe is gigantic, and the Force affects living things, right? I mean, you see, like, force whales and shit and rebels and, like, wolves and, like, there's so many different creatures that are affected by the force or or not affected, per se, but, like, can tap into or sensitive with. And it's 
time and time and time again, it's a fucking Skywalker and a fucking Palpatine going neck and neck. That scene exists because the Rogue One scene with Vader where he fucked up all the Rebels was super cool. So they're like, hey, we should do that with Luke too. And admittedly, it is pretty cool. I will say that. It's a pretty nifty scene. But for the love of fuck, Star Wars loves to suck its own dick. Ouroboros of cocksucking that it gets into is so creatively bankrupt. It's a giant universe. This show was a bunch of small characters telling a small story, and it ends with a fucking Skywalker being like, yep, you know, I'm everywhere at once. The fuck, my dude? How did you... How? Where were you in relation to whatever? And by the way, I would just like to say, if if Grogu doesn't come back, if Baby Yoda, the merch machine, is not seen on this show... That character's fucking dead. (laughs) They just killed this midget. Luke Skywalker takes this guy to go back to his school with the rest of the fucking island of broken toys. And they all decide after Luke fucks up that they're going to kill everyone there, including the baby Yoda midget. They're going to smash his brains out. And that's it. It's over. Yeah, and no Lipton Brisk iced tea is going to save you this time, Rock. It's over. You lose 50 cent. That's fucked up. People were like, man, Luke, this is so cool. I guarantee you these guys are not thinking about the fact that the next time you see any of these characters, it's after the massacre at the Jedi school. It's a bloodbath, dude. No one makes it except the fucking Knights of Ren and Kylo. Luke. Because right, you can't kill Luke. Fuck me, dude. <laughs> Say what you will about The Last Jedi. I mean, I didn't like it when I first watched it, but I've rounded my edges a bit on that movie. I, don't, I still don't like it from a plot perspective, but as a character development movie... I can get behind what it's trying to say. And, and and primarily of which, I think the most important message that it was trying to say that got immediately wiped out by Rise of Skywalker was that the Force is fucking everywhere and it's in everyone and anyone can be special. It doesn't have to be this fucking dynastic, prophecy-driven bloodline going to war with the great evil in the universe. Over and over and over again. You know, at least at least when you got the extra Skywalker shit in the extended universe, it was Luke. Fucking 15 years later, we still got ourselves a guy that's more interesting than Palpatine's back somehow again. God fucking damn it. So that's my problem with that shit. You got nine movies that are just all about the Skywalker shit. And you somehow managed to take the character that was completely unrelated to the Skywalkers. And not only make them a Skywalker at the end on some dumb last name adoption bullshit. But you made him a Palpatine too? That's character assassination, man. Fuck off. (laughs) Fuck off. I hate it. The universe is such a really cool sandbox. And I know that, like, for me to complain about this shit leans back into the fact that I didn't read the extended universe, right? There's a lot of cool stuff with cool characters that have widened out all that shit. I get it. And I probably should read some of that stuff, to be honest. Canon or not. I mean, at this rate, the way Dave Filoni's picking and choosing what he wants, almost all the good stuff's going to be in there by the end of the next decade, right? Especially with how many fucking TV shows these guys are pumping out. The universe is super cool. Once again, I love me a Western. You got a Western and a samurai mashed up and thrown into space. You got like this energy that connects all living things. And some people are more sensitive to it than others. Or they train themselves to be or what have you. Fuck midichlorians. That's the worst idea ever. You know what the heartbreaking part of... Of George Lucas selling his entire fucking life's work to Disney is when he watched the first movie, The Force Awakens, he he was sad. He was heartbroken because he said, quote unquote, y'all didn't do anything new. 
That's fucking eviscerating. Like, say what you will about George Lucas and the prequel trilogy. I mean, Jesus. Attack of the Clones. I, up until Rise of Skywalker, Attack of the Clones is the worst fucking Star Wars movie ever. With Without batting an eye, I would say that with confidence. Rise of Skywalker is number one on the garbage movie list. And then it's Attack of the Clones. And then it's Phantom Menace. And then I gotta think, do I really want, like, I'd Solo. You know, I would put I would put Rise of Skywalker dead last because it's not only a shit movie, it's a shit Star Wars movie, right? Like it's it's a movie that goes out of its way to suck the dick of all the fans who were so super pissed off about the Last Jedi. It's Disney doing the hardest autocorrect of its entire life. It goes so out of its way to be. All the same bullshit, right? In in the first scene of the movie, Palpatine is back. Snoke is like a random clone. If you were pissed off about how Snoke was treated in fucking The Last Jedi, you should be foaming at the eyeballs. A physical impossibility. Your eyes should be boiling at the very sight of seeing a collection of clone vats. And Ray is a Palpatine. Like, what the fuck, dude? Kylo's a bitch again? He wasn't talking to Vader ever. He was talking to Palpatine, talking to Vader through a helmet. What the fuck is that movie doing? Jesus. The Last Jedi is better than half the movies in the franchise. And I don't much like it. Like I said, softened on it over the years. But it is better than half the movies. Better. Be- it's a first of all, it's a better movie constructed. Period. Right as a film. I mean, you don't necessarily need to like the story or where it goes and all that other shit, right? But it's a better film. God damn, Star Wars. Why? How do you have so many cool building blocks and then you just choose to build the same thing over and over and over again? But this time it's blue. Look at, look at my castle. My castle's blue now. And the problem is the fans. I told you I'd make this mistake. I blame the fucking fans for a lot of this stuff. The reaction of The Last Jedi was cataclysmic. I mean, that movie pissed off so many people so hard that... The Han Solo movie, which probably would have made six hundred million, seven hundred million dollars, made like three hundred million. Right, Rise of Skywalker got delayed a year because they were shook as fuck. And the and the plot ramifications of delaying your movie for a year to get a new director to get J.J. Abrams, who by the way can't finish anything ever. This man is the greatest starter of his of like anybody in Hollywood. This man can start some shit, but he sure as fuck can't finish it. So you get J.J. Abrams to finish something that he's proven time and time again he can't finish. And then you get him to write a movie that is like regurgitated food. Look at my castle, it's blue again. This was a supposition on Disney assuming that the fans reacted so violently to The Last Jedi that this is what they'd want. This is an attempt to give the fans what they want. The exact same shit. Palpatine, good guys fighting bad guys, zero complications. You got a a bloodline versus a bloodline. That's it. Let's, let's make him kiss at the end. Yeah. Yeah, let's make him kiss. Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not going to get into fandom shit in general. Because, I mean, look, all fandoms are fucked up. Right? When when you like something so much that you start sending death threats to actors because you didn't like what their character said, you have a serious fucking problem. Here's Here's, a, here's another problem. When the studio, who is aware of all the death threats, 
still somehow edits the character that they're receiving death threats over out of the sequel. Oh, well, you know, her character was uh, in a lot of scenes with Leia, and unfortunately, due to her passing, we just cut most of that stuff. You gave them what they wanted, whether you knew it or not. Kelly Marie Tran did not exist in Rise of Skywalker. They sent her death threats. That's fucked. I think the key thing with fandoms in general, and I know you love this stuff, and I love stuff too, but you've got to see other movies. There are other things to look at. And thank fuck, in this case, that there are TV shows, right? Because Disney was like, well, okay, you know, we're going to stop doing this movie thing. We've done a lot of these movie things, a lot. And uh, we have oversaturated the market on Star Wars a little too fast. So we're just going to take a chill on that. But here's 15 TV shows in the next two years. Jesus fuck. Right? There's no way 15 of these TV shows is going to be good. Right? They can't all be good. They'll be fine because it's Disney. Disney won't allow worse than fine. Now, fine in the sense that it, it it'll come out. It'll be mostly okay, and it'll make some money, right? I mean, the Disney live adaptations, generally speaking, are garbaggio, but they all made a billion dollars. I like Lion, except Mulan. I don't know how Mulan did. I can't say that. I can't speak to Mulan, but they did make a billion fucking dollars. Lion King, Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast, Jungle Book, even. What the fuck is Jungle Book doing? Making a billion dollars. I don't know about Cinderella. Maybe Cinderella didn't. I don't think Cinderella did. I'm pretty sure Jungle Book was the first billion-dollar movie. By the way, who directed Jungle Book, you ask? John Favreau. That's why John Favreau is literally Disney's golden child. Because not only did he direct the first live-action Disney movie that made a billion dollars, but he directed Iron Man. A little movie called Iron Man that didn't have a script. It was basically improvised by Jeff Bridges and Robert Downey Jr. and John Favreau to some extent because he's a, you know like a secondary character in that and they would just write the script and riff off each other and give whatever they could to Gwyneth Paltrow that was written down and that was it and that was the movie he's fucking destined that's why he's uh, directing and EPing on uh, Mandalorian 2 right and he got Lion King now Lion King's an abomination but it still made a billion dollars Disney's a fucking coward is my point they give the same shit to the same people. Now, admittedly, Dave Filoni is not a bad choice. This guy directed the first season of Avatar, The Last Airbender. Not the weird braid tail sex Pocahontas rep with James Cameron. Like the TV show, the first season. And then he moved into Clone Wars and he popped on that. And then Rebels popped on that. So like Dave Filoni and Star Wars is tight. And they're even talking about letting Ryan Johnson direct an episode of The Mandalorian if he gets the time to do it. It doesn't look like it's going to be in the third season, but maybe it'll be in the fourth. So Filoni's a good choice, but, I mean, Filoni is also doing the smart thing, which is picking and choosing whatever extended universe shit he wants, repurposes it for his own uses, and tells whatever stories he wants, right? I mean, Shran is one of the, the coolest fucking guys on the planet. Shran held up the entire empire when, after Palpatine got fucked up, he rebuilt everything. He built the ships again that the, the, the these fucking New Republican cunts are building right now. Right? This guy's a bad motherfucker. So, of course, stick him in Rebels. You know? Make him the bad guy of Ahsoka show. I mean, really, let's be real. She's looking for Shran so she can get Ezra, right? But yeah, like there's a guy for you, right? Like, you can make anybody like anybody's force sensitive. Have him train. You can have yourself Jedi. Jedi in the sense of like good guys with lightsabers versus bad guys with lightsabers. Because I don't think in this day and age you want Jedi. That whole not letting your emotion like all that that emotion shit is so fucking life tilting. I'm not gonna get into it because uh, I would have to write a research fucking paper on it. But yes, Disney are a bunch of fucking cowards, right? The, they they sniffed losing money and they lost money anyways on Rise of Skywalker. Now, it still made a fucking stack of cash, but it did not make the bajillion dollars that it was hoping for, right? It didn't make $2 billion. 
So yeah, I would really prefer, he says, sitting in the middle of a closet. Yes, me. Poor, moneyless Matt would prefer billion-dollar corporation Disney to make shit that's actually creative. I know it's a big fucking ask, right? I mean, the reason I was originally going to mash this episode up with the WandaVision net is because they both have the same fucking problem. They both lean into the exact same shit over and over and over again. It's the same formula. It's the same go-tos. Why the fuck are two witches who can create anything they want out of thin air having a space laser fight in a show about, you know, grief and pain? Why did it have to end in a superhero schmoz, right? Why did it need to be Luke at the end of The Mandalorian? Why make the universe so much smaller than it needs to be? You could you could do whatever the fuck you want, right? I mean, what the fuck is Boba going to do? Boba's got a show where he's like, goes back to Jabba's palace. I don't know what he's going to be up to. That's going to be like crime shit. Turn it into Chinatown, man. That'd be fucking hype as hell. They have so many cool building blocks. They have so many awesome ideas, right? And look, this shit was originally made for kids. Right? Like, it's not meant to be taken as seriously as it is. But as a result of it being taken and like being reverent to certain people, give them something else. How many fucking times are you going to turn out the same old shit all the time? I don't know. It breaks my fucking heart to see like, like I'm George Lucas, man. Fuck, 16 movies later, 16 television shows later, I'm sitting here going, you didn't do anything new. Fucking sucks. So that's it. That's my soul-bearing Star Wars rant. I'm actually excited for Mandalorian Season 3. I will give the Boba Fett show, the Rangers of the New Republic fucking Kim's Convenience should have been Gina Carano's show, but she's too eager on being transphobic. I hope that Ben Shapiro movie works out great for you, hun. <laughs> I'll give that show three eps. Usually that's my cap. On shows I don't necessarily know about, I'll give the Ahsoka show three yet. You know, I have a feeling that these are either going to be good or great. I mean, I don't know. Is Mandalorian great? Yeah, I'd say it's pretty great. It hits my buttons. But um, it's Dave Filoni executive producing, directing, and writing certain episodes of all these shows. Can't necessarily go wrong in that regard. Because he hasn't yet... But he's bound to trip. And let's be real. When you're putting out 15 TV shows. Uh, we don't want to oversaturate the market. 15 TV shows, Disney? You fucking Muppets. I know you're trying desperately to get people on Disney+. Plus, But I've seen your numbers. You don't need to try that hard. You're dunking it. Like, you're not like Netflix. Who's like operating at a loss. In the hundreds of millions. To maintain its like pole position. Give me a break. You guys are doing just fine when you own the two biggest fucking medias in the world. Here's the thing. You know what? I was going to say I was going to be done. I'm not done. I got one more thing about fucking fans that I just want to get off my chest. Right? You got to understand something as a as a nerd who was probably bullied in high school for liking the stuff that you wanted to and was ashamed to take people over to your house for like some fuck time. You didn't want them to see your video games and your movies and your TV shows and, and your, your room, right? You had your anime body pillow and shit like that, right? Like, even anime, as niche a media as that is for Western audiences, is starting to become real fucking popular. I mean, a lot of people watched Castlevania. It's on its fourth season, and it's going to end soon. Its fourth season's coming out in May. We'll definitely be talking about that. But you, as nerds, who held on to these things to talk to other people about with similar interests, you get on your message boards and you do all that other stuff. You are not the nerd that gets shoved into a locker anymore. You are the single most dominating consumer force on the fucking planet right now. I hate to break it to you, but you're the bullies now. 
And there's that chip on all these fucking nerds' shoulders, mine included. People get really defensive when you talk shit. And they start gatekeeping hard. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you not read the 1972 issue of this one fucking comic written by this one person that one time? Loser. There's this portion. This is blows my fucking mind as to how ingrained gatekeeping is. They made the Avengers game last year, right? Avengers 2020, which is mostly miss. It plays fine, but it's not necessarily a great game in terms of the end game. It's fucking trying, though, and maybe it'll get somewhere next year. Maybe it'll No Man's Sky itself. But anyways, the first scene in that is Kamala Khan as a teenager going to the Avengers Day celebration. And she's supposed to run around and collect comics. And you get all five comics of all five original Avengers, and then you get to go to your VIP treatment. One of the comics is sold out. So she has to go around and talk to another guy to go get another comic. He's like, can you go pick up this extra one? I got this extra one. I'll trade you. And when she goes to get the extra comic, I don't know why I said all that extra detail. Fuck off. You know me. Um, These two nerds show up who are teenagers. They're like maybe like four or five years older than her. And they shove her out of the way to grab the comic. And they're like, only true fans belong here. Right? You don't even know blah, blah, blah about this comic. And she's like stunned, right? These two fuckboys are gatekeeping this little girl, right? At Avengers Day. What do you... It's the it's a celebration of everything you love. And you're going to be a fucking cunt about it. Because that's how salty nerds are now. So these two guys push her out of the way and they gatekeep her. You're not a true fan. You don't know fuck. And you know how she responds? By gatekeeping them. She quotes some obscure reference. It's a big speech about how she needs to like nut up and not take shit from anybody. And they're like, huh? And then she's like, what? You don't know that one? And they're like, fine, whatever. And then they leave. She fucking punks them by gatekeeping them back. And it's supposed to be this triumphant moment of this person who was getting bullied. But really, she just like uber nerded them. That's how, like, intrinsic gatekeeping is in nerd culture right now. It's in a fucking video game where where people who haven't have seen the scene a thousand times thought the only way to stop gatekeeping is to out-gatekeep the gatekeepers. It's fucking maddening. You, you have to understand Marvel movies make billions of dollars. They have for the last 10 years. Star Wars movies make billions of dollars. These are two of the biggest IPs on the planet. There are people who were born in the 70s who remember seeing A New Hope in theaters and are still alive today as fans. This shit's been around for 50 fucking years. You are no longer the small fish in the pond. You are the fucking sperm whales. You're huge. Behave like it. Recognize. And they get all pretentious about it and and really possessive. And I was talking to a buddy of mine about this. I watched the seventh season of Clone Wars. And the first five episodes are backdoor pilot for The Bad Batch, which is one of the Star Wars shows that's coming out, which is just another show about clones. But I don't give a fuck emotionally about any of the clone troopers because I know when Order 66 kicks in, they're all pieces of shit. And that and that season addresses it. But these guys get their own show, and the only reason I can think of it is because they're the misfits. They're, they're the people that fans will still want to uh, associate with, still see themselves in because... They want to feel like special again. They want to feel like I I I feel you know uh, not represented or looked down upon and disrespected and not treated fairly like other people else because I'm different. Except in this case, their difference is they like Star Wars. Now everybody likes Star Wars, right? I don't hate Star Wars. I don't love Star Wars, but I'll watch Star Wars gatekeep me all the fuck you want I'll tell you to eat my ass 
you should probably watch some more movies. Eat my ass. Watch a new movie. All of that, I just want to just say, like, nerd shit is the mainstream. So if you want to, like, be different, (laughs) find something new. Get on the anime train before that blows up in another five years. When all the Western animes are the only style of cartoon that we have. Anyways, now I'm done. Now I got it all off my chest. I like Mandalorian. I'll say it again. I love Pedro Pascal. I've been in love with this guy since Game of Thrones season four. It's the best season of the show. Mostly because Pedro Pascal's total time of like 10 minutes on screen is magnetic. He's fucking fantastic on this show. I'll watch anything he's in. I don't give a fuck. He was the best part of Wonder Woman 84 and an otherwise messy jumble of a not good movie. It was all right. At best. Mostly because Pedro Pascal is the best. So, fuck, that's it for me this week. Thank you very much for listening. I'll come back at you sometime soon. I don't actually have any plans. I gotta I gotta start fucking issuing out some stuff. This is a dead week in terms of sorting out ideas. So we'll figure out something. We'll squeeze out some juice. Maybe we'll get a double header. The Oscars are around. We might do a tapas platter up. Nevertheless, be safe. Take care of yourselves. Catch you on the floor.